This teaching is brought to you by Christian Family Church International. Well, it's so good to be with you tonight and, and to be able to minister the Word to you. And I'm, I'm really grateful to Apostle Theo and Pastor Bev for this opportunity just to break bread with you and to encourage you and uh, to deliver a message I believe is, is from the Lord and that will impact you in some way or another. So I'm really grateful to them for that. And before we get started, let's pray. Father, I thank You for every single person that is watching the service that's involved in the service tonight, Father. Thank You that Your Word is life-giving. It's like a two-edged sword, Father. And so I thank You that as the Word is spoken tonight, that that two-edged sword is going to go into action and is going to cause change in people's lives. Because that really is why Jesus came. That's why Your Word is here. And as we talk about relationships and, and focus on family values and, and, and just speak about how we can improve our relationships, how we can improve our marriages, Father, thank You that everybody will hear from You, that You'll highlight things in their lives and, and just bring things to their attentions. And, and, and where there are things that they're really battling with and have maybe even tried once, twice, three times, four times, let tonight be that breakthrough night, I pray in the name of Jesus Christ. Thank You, Lord, for building such strong families. In Jesus' Name, Amen. Well, yes, I'm going to be continuing on with the, the series that uh, Pastor Johnny kicked off last week, uh, talking about family values. And, and uh, this is the second part in our family values series. And last week, Pastor Johnny spoke about building families that last. And I particularly liked uh, something that he shared with us. We spoke about the wise men building their house on the sand and on the rock and how we are to build strong families on the rock. And he said that, you know, people, why would people build their house on the sand in any case? Why not on the rock? Because it's convenient. You know, when you lie on the sand, he explained that your body forms the sand. But when you lie on rock, the rock forms you. So it's important and certainly necessary that our families are built on the rock, on the Word of God. And so tonight I'm gonna to continue on with that series. I believe that you were blessed and that you will be tonight too. And, and if you are married, I pray that this message will help you in building a strong marriage. If you're not married, then this message will be a foundational message where seeds are gonna be planted that will create a harvest of righteousness in your marriages in the future. And, and it will help whoever is listening tonight, really to create strong relationships with your parents, with your siblings, with your best friends, with family, with your neighbours, relationships that are of value to you, whatever I'm gonna be sharing tonight. Even if you hear me speak maybe a little bit about marriages, you take those tips, you take the ideas and the thoughts from the Word of God and apply it in any relationship. And I believe that you will see a marvellous increase in that. So if you were gonna title my message tonight, we could call it, Hope for Hurting Marriages. Even though it's titled that, and I will be speaking about that really, as I've said, this is for all relationships. Stick around, you'll see what I mean. Let's look at the Bible in Genesis chapter two, verses 22. It says there, then the Lord God made a woman from the rib that he had taken out of the man, and he brought her to the man. And the man said, this is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman, for she was taken out of man. That is why a man leaves his father and his mother and is united 
to his wife and they become one flesh. It's a very powerful portion of Scripture and it really does tell us what God expects as far as marriage is concerned. And he says that we are to be united. The man is united with his wife and they, be, and they become one flesh. Let me ask you something. Have you ever made a fool out of yourself in the name of love? Have you ever done something silly that you, you ordinarily would never do, but because you were so in love and head over heels with whoever it was, you found yourself doing things that you ordinarily would never do? I'm sure everyone out there has done something crazy in the name of love. I once drove to Bethlehem before I was actually officially dating Elaine. I drove to Bethlehem from here, Kempton Park, and I did it. At, it was in the evening. I drove through. It's a three and a half hour drive just to get there. I wasn't really familiar with the road and it was in the middle of winter. Now that's important for you to know because I hate winter. And it was minus five. As I was coming into Bethlehem, it was minus five degrees. My car was shivering. It was so cold. Anyhow, I went through to Bethlehem. Why? Because I was going to take Elaine and her parents out for dinner. And then what I did is I drove back home afterwards. So I drove for six hours just to go and have uh, supper with her and her folks. And then I drove back home. But then on that journey, on that trip that I did, I hit a pothole. That's how blinded I was by love. I hit a pothole that ended up costing me two shock absorbers a set of tires and a whole lot of trips back and forth from the repair shop. I mean, it really gave me a hard time, but I did it in the name of love. In fact, it didn't really matter to me. Um, it, was, it was fine because at least I got to take them to dinner and I got to see Elaine. What I know about all of you is that at some time, you had your own version of that. You either spend too, too much money on something stupid or uh, you risk the elements to see each other or you'd sit on the phone. How many of you remember the landlines that we used to have? That was a phone that was actually connected to a cord. We didn't have cell phones. Do you remember those conversations you had with the one that you loved and that your heart was skipping beats for all the time? You'd, you'd finish your conversation, then you'd say, okay, you hang up. No, you hang up. No, you hang up. And you'd do that back and forth, and then no one would hang up, and no one would say anything else. They'd just be breathing. Not heavy breathing not freak you out, scary breathing, just normal Jesus, I love you breathing, and no one else says anything else. And then eventually the phone gets put down. Do you remember those crazy days? Or maybe you would write a letter. I would do this too. You'd write a letter and then you'd go to the house of the one that you, uh, you, know, that you were so crazy about and you'd put the letter in the post box and throw a little stone against the front door or lightly against a window and then you'd bolt because you were too bum and shy to face her, uh, but at least you got the message across. Do you remember those days? Then one day, years later, you wake up and you wonder, where'd the romance go? Where's the passion? Where's the intimacy? Where's the fire? What happened along the way? Have you asked yourself that question? Well, I can promise you this. Somewhere along the way, you stopped pursuing one another. There was a time when you pursued and you made an effort and you were intentional. And somewhere along the way, you got relationally lazy. Question, is there any area in your life that you can be consistently lazy in and still see an improvement? No, of course not. I mean, take your physical body, for example. If you don't take care of it and eat, and you just go ahead and eat whatever you want, the four basic food groups, Nando's, KFC, Cadbury's, and Coca-Cola. 
After a little while, your body will not be what it could be. Do you agree with that? Or perhaps in your business. If you don't crunch the numbers, if, you guard, if you're not guarding the culture and you stop casting the vision, will your business be what it could be? The answer is no. If you get lazy, it will struggle. What about your garden? I know people love to have nice-looking gardens. If you're not maintaining your garden, family, if you're not making sure the grass is cut regularly, consistently, if you're not pulling the weeds out and making sure that your plants are being watered and just making sure that all the weeds are being pulled out, if you're not doing that, I'm telling you now, you won't win the Garden of the Month competition. In fact, your neighbors are going to start looking at you funny. And they're going to whisper behind your backs, that's the one who doesn't look after their garden. Gee, I can't believe they live in our street. What's funny in marriage a lot of times is that we look at other marital gardens and their grass looks greener. Has that ever happened to you? You know what they say, fam? If the grass looks greener somewhere else, it's time to water your own. For some marriages and for some relationships, it's time to water your own grass. You might say to me, yes, but, but Paul, we've fallen out of love. We don't think that we can go on anymore. In fact, we're just going to give up and we're going to get divorced. Folks, if you get divorced because you've run out of love, that's like selling your car because you've run out of petrol. If your car runs out of juice, what do you do? You refill the tank. If your marriage runs out of love, what are you going to do? You've got to refill the love tank. The love tank. I like that. So let me talk to you a little bit about that this evening. And let me get back to an unusual verse to do that from. I want to go back to Genesis chapter 2. We read from verse 22 to 24, but I want to just focus right now on verse 24. It says, That is why a man leaves his father and mother and is united, united to his wife, and they become one flesh. Now, so many times we think of the word united as something that happens only one time. It's like a one-time event. A husband comes together with a wife. They are united. And you know what I mean when I say that. And that's where united goes. And that's as far as it is. But you see the word, the, the Hebrew language at least, is a very strange language. It's, it's not really the kind of language where you can understand what's being said with one word. It needs often a story to explain a word. There's so much more meaning to the words that we see in the Hebrew. And you're going to have a hard time to translate a Hebrew word into one or two English words, for example. So let's have a look at that word united from the root word in the Hebrew, which is the word debak. This is what it means. It means to cling to or adhere, to catch by pursuit, to pursue hard with affection and devotion. Does that sound to you like it's a one-time event? No, what debuck means is it's something that's ongoing. You have to pursue hard with affection and devotion to catch by pursuit. Kind of like the way it's written in Psalm 63 verses 8 where it says this. It says, follow, I follow closely or close behind you. I follow close behind you. Do you see that? That's the word debuck being explained in a different way. I follow close behind you. This uh, verse is, is a stalker's favorite memory verse. I follow close behind you. Look at Judges chapter 20, verses 45. It says, they pursued hard after them. Do you see that? That's the word debuck coming in again. They pursued hard after them, which is really what we are to be doing. It's not a united one-time event. It's something that we have to pursue hard after. 
You know, a great story of pursuit in the Old Testament is where Jacob fell in love with a woman named Rachel. And he asked her father, Laban, he said, can I marry her? And Laban said, sure, but you'll have to work for me. I need you to work seven years. And Jacob said, no problem. She's worth it. Count me in. This is gonna be a walk in the park. He was blinded by love. The Bible says that he loved her so much. Listen here. He loved her so much that the time, the seven years passed by like it was only a few days. I don't know if you've ever seen that in the Word. So this guy was head over heels in love with Rachel. But what Jacob didn't realize is that Rachel had a sister. The Bible says that Rachel describes Rachel for us. It says Rachel had love, she had a lovely figure and she was beautiful. And the Bible says that Leah, well, Leah had weak eyes. <laughs> That's what the Bible says about Leah. In other words, if we look at that in the Hebrew, this is what the Bible's saying. It's saying that Rachel was, she was hot and Leah had a great personality. I often joke saying in Afrikaans, well, I often joke saying that the Afrikaans Bible tells us that Leah had a second name. Her name was Luck. Van Savas Leah Luck. <laughs> uh, anyhow, you know, the Afrikaans language is so beautiful. I'm just reminded of, just recently my wife was talking to a friend of mine's wife. It was his 50th birthday was coming up. And, and so uh, his wife was telling Elaine, you know, some ideas of what she could get for, or what we could get him for his birthday. And, and so she joked to Elaine, because it, it was, it was simple things that, that uh, we could get. It wasn't lavish gifts. And she said to Elaine, she said, Weet jy, is lelik, maar is mooi. Ach nee, is nie mooi nie, maar is makkelijk. And I think, yeah, the Afrikaans language, prachtig man. Anyhow, it's interesting that Jacob worked for seven years and then he was ready to marry Rachel. First he worked for seven years, then he was married, uh, excuse me, ready to marry her. But the father came to him after those seven years and said to him, listen, Jacob, in our culture, you marry the oldest daughter off first. But Jacob said, no, listen, that wasn't what I wanted. I wanted, I wanted the hottie. And the dad said, okay, you can have her, but you'll have to work another seven years. Now, I used to think that Jacob had to work an additional seven years first before he got Rachel. But that's not what happened. The father said, I'll give it to you now but you have to work another seven years. Now, family, this is beautiful. If you recognize that Jacob continued to work for his bride after he married her. That's dedication. That's debuck. And that's what the Bible talks about when it said the man will be united. He will be debucked to his wife. This is a great illustration for so many of us. And, um, and because a lot of us will do our very own version of the Bethlehem death drive. You know, we've all been through that kind of experience to get the person. So we'll be willing to go to the ends of the earth to get the person. But once we get the person, you know what happens? We begin to relax and we stop pursuing and we stop working hard. We stop following close and, and pursuing hard as we've seen that word being described and we, we stop doing our best. And what I do know about you, family, is that you want something good. Nobody says, look, I'm gonna get married for five years and then I'm gonna get a divorce. My goal is to betray her trust, move on to the next one. No, no one thinks like that. You have good intentions, but here's the truth of the matter. A lot of the time, our good intentions aren't converted into right actions. 
So if it's okay with you, I want to get really practical here tonight. I want to give you some scriptural suggestions to apply to your marriage or to any relationship that you value. I want to give you three specific thoughts to close that gap between intentions and actions. The first one is, when you think something good, say it. Every time that you think of something good to say about, or just think of something good about your spouse or, or maybe your child or a friend, say it. Why would you want to rob your partner of hearing the good thing that you just thought? How many times has that not happened? We have a great thought about them, but we just keep it to ourselves. No, we need to say it. Let them know. Let that good thought free. Tell them what you think about them. If it's your child, just say, you know what? I just want to tell you that I really love the way that you're becoming more and more self-disciplined. I'm seeing you grow up into this wonderful adult. Or whatever the case may be. The point is, if you think of something good, say it. Look at Hebrews 3.13. It says, but encourage one another. How often? Daily. As long as it's called today. The Bible tells us to encourage one another daily. It didn't say, listen, please be sure to encourage one another at least once a month so that you can keep you know, the connection lines close. No, it says we need to encourage one another daily. Why would the Bible tell us that if God didn't know how important receiving encouragement was in our lives? Men, here's what I want to say to you is that you need to pursue her with words of affection and non-sexual affection. I can already see at home men looking around thinking, non-sexual, what, what's non-sexual affection? Well, here's what non-sexual affection is. It's where there's no sexual goal on the other side of your affection. In other words, you're not just saying nice things because you're hoping to be rewarded at the end of the day or in five minutes, depending on the circumstances. The point is, we need to have non-sexual affection where we are genuinely giving our wives, our, our, our partners, words of affection without expecting some sort of action at the end of that. You see, the thing is that men have a supernatural ability to make anything sexual. I mean, she might say to him, honey, I think we need to rotate your tires. And he'll look at it and say, hey, baby, I'll rotate your tires. Or she might say, won't you please unload the dishwasher? And he turns and says, oh, honey, I'll unload your dishwasher any day, baby. You see, you don't need to teach men this stuff. We can do that all by ourselves. It comes naturally to us. But we need to, men, you need to start thinking about being intentional, not having that thing at the end of everything that you're saying. Let your wife know that you love her. If you think something good, say it. Now, women, women have different gears. I mean, one day I might do something and I'm cute and I'm funny and, and even sexy, for goodness sake. And the next day, at the same time, the same weather outside, the same circumstances, and all of a sudden I'm rude and insensitive and all I can do is think about myself. That's how it is with women sometimes. It's always a gamble for the men, isn't it? We always take that gamble though, don't we? Why? Because you're a man and you don't know any other way. So let me teach you another way tonight. Non-sexual affection. Listen here. Tell her that you love her because, and then let her know what that is. And you have to do it consistently, men. It doesn't help that we all of a sudden are in a new kind of mode and it's only lasting for a few days. No, it's something that we have to apply consistently in our lives. Non-sexual affection. Just think of the nice things that you could tell your wife 
just because you want to bless her. Create your own little things. You know, funny enough, Elaine and I, we have this thing. It just sort of started when we began dating where what happens is I would send her voice notes as Nelson Mandela. I would do it in, in his kind of voice. And uh, it would be him from heaven that's sending her a message now to tell her just a little bit about how I feel about her. And it was just something I tried and it caught on. And so we do that. Uh, mind you, I haven't done that in a long time now that I think about it. Um, but since it is her birthday, I think, yes, there is a voice note. Uh, Elaine. I was just playing cricket with the angels and said, guys, time out. I need to quickly send a message. So uh, now I'm uh, talking to you, and uh, I just want to say happy, happy birthday. And uh, Elaine, your, your husband, I can see from here, he likes you. He loves you very, very much. And uh, always he's talking good things about you. So uh, I just took a quick break to tell you, and I hope you have a good uh, rest of the day. And remember, yo, that Paul. Hey, he has the odds for you, eh? Okay, bye. <laughs> Anyhow, so that's the kind of stuff we do, and I better get back into that, eh? Because it, it is rewarding <laughs> in more ways than one. Anyhow, okay, so ladies, 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 you need to pursue him with words of affirmation. The man pursues with words of affection. The lady, you need to pursue him with words of affirmation. Men are wired a little differently. We act macho and like we're real breakers, but the fact is that we're actually quite insecure. When Elaine affirmed, affirms me and encourages me, especially with areas that I have insecurities about, I tend to want to become that. Sadly, it's short-lived sometimes, and you know, I need to hear it again, and and then I need to hear it again. And, and I think I speak on all men's behalf when I say I need to hear it again. But when she tells me that I'm, I'm great where I think that I'm not so great, I feel like I should be great. So we need to do that. Because what are we doing? We're affirming him. We're building him up. One of the comments I hear often coming from women is that my husband is not a spiritual leader. Let me say this to the woman. What you see as a spiritual leader may not or may be different than what he's ever going to bring as a spiritual leader. He's probably not going to do an exegesis on Psalm 91 with your three-year-old daughter, if you know what I mean. There are a lot of areas and a lot of ways that, that he can be a spiritual leader. And if he does anything that is spiritual, don't tell him, oh, you're not the spiritual leader of the house. What do you mean by that? Anything that he says, anything that is remotely spiritual, you should celebrate it, applaud it, embrace it. If he just says, let's go to church, that's a spiritual leader. That's spiritual leading happening right there. And what you need to do is you need to say, honey, I love it when you say, let's go to church. Build him up. Don't break him down. His level of spirituality may not be where you expect it to be, but it will improve if you build him up. If the only time he ever prays is once a year over the Christmas lunch, and, and even if it's not a good prayer, in fact, if it's a bad prayer, if he says, dear God, thanks for the gammon, or he says, rub-a-dub-dub, thanks for the grub, take him aside afterwards, lean in and say, when you prayed, I felt so close to you. I felt so close to God. And I like feeling close to you. And then I'd say, lean in again and stick your tongue in his ear. 
And I can guarantee you by next Christmas, you'll be praying in tongues over the Christmas meal. (laughs) You're pursuing him with words of affirmation. Why? Because he needs it, because we need it. Family, if we will encourage what we like, rather than pointing out what we don't like, and pursue with words of affirmation and affection, we can make a lot of progress in our relationships. Men, she wants to know, do you love me today? Ladies, he wants to know, do you believe in me today? So the first point was, if you think of something good, say it. The second one is, if you think something special, do it. Look at what the Bible says in James 4.17. It says, if anyone then knows the good they ought to do and does not do it, it is a sin for them. What if I could get in your business this evening and say, why don't you stop sinning and, uh, with just good intentions and start closing the gap and do what's in your heart to be a blessing to your spouse or to your friend or to your mom or dad or brother and sister? What have you thought about? And when you think about it, do it. Leave home early and surprise him. When you're thinking about grabbing a picnic lunch and going out for a quick picnic in the middle of a Saturday afternoon, do it. When you think about men, when you think about while you're playing video games, maybe looking after the kids for the afternoon, then get up and do it. That could be the most romantic thing you've done since 1994. I mean, some of us men need to put reminders on our phones to do something for our wives or to say something for our wives. And I'm saying to you tonight that if you need to put that reminder on your phone, then do it. Set the alarm. Get yourself into action. Make a point. If you think something special, then do it. Don't keep it to yourself. Just do something different and see those thoughts through. And don't allow, oh, but we don't have money, we don't have this, don't have that. Be creative, folks. We all have a spirit of creativity, all of us. You just have to take the time to think about it. And here's the third point that I want to share with you. When you want something to be different, then be it. When you want something different, be it. Too often we complain about what the other one is not. He's too clingy. She's not clingy enough. She always leaves the towels on the floor. He never leaves the seat up. No, 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 I think I've got that the wrong way around. But anyhow, she was always finding fault with everything. He never fixes anything faulty around the house. What I have found is when I'm focusing on the one thing that I'd like her to change, there's usually at least three things that God needs to change in my heart. Let me speak to the men here. I think that I have, well, I feel that I have a right to get in your business a little bit right now. Men, get off your blessed assurance and lead. Lead your family towards Jesus. That doesn't mean that you have to do the exegesis or become a master in theology. It could simply mean that this family are people of church. And so we go to church. You should get your family to the point where your children are not asking if there's going to be church on Sunday or are we going to church on Sunday. No, my kids don't have to ask me that. Not because I'm in ministry, but because we are church people. They know. That's what we do. That's one of the family values that we value and base our lives on, is that we go to church on a Sunday. That's what our Sunday is set aside for, for the things of God. The beautiful thing about the way that God wired women is that they are multipliers, meaning that they give life. In other words, you give them love, they give you babies. They multiply. You give them affection and tenderness and loyalty, they multiply. 
They will give it back to you in a way that no man deserves. They multiply. That's what women do. You give them a hard time, <laughs> they multiply. In fact, we all tend to, in one way or another, multiply. When someone smiles, you smile back at them. If someone flips you the bird or you know, gives you the traffic finger, you're not going to necessarily smile back, right? We multiply back what we receive. Here's a thought. If you don't like what you're getting, then take a look at what you're giving. Remember how we joked at the beginning about what we would do for love and the crazy things that we've done for love? If your marriage is struggling right now, then I can promise you that there was a time that you had something special. There was some reason why you bought the ring and planned the wedding. There was something going on. There was something that you were doing then that you're not doing now. If you think something good, tell them. If you think something special, do it. If you want something different, then be it. Here's a final thought. If you're looking for that something again in your relationship, to get what you once had, you must do what you once did. Wow. I'm going to say that again. To get what you once had, you must do what you once did. We need to go back to those things that we used to do. Pursue. Pursue hard as we saw that, that word. Debuck. I want to read something to you. Jesus spoke to the church in Ephesus in the book of Revelation. I know that the context in which he was speaking was quite different, but I feel that it speaks true of what we're discussing tonight. It's Revelation 2 verses 5. It says, Remember the height from which you had fallen? Repent and do the things you did at first. Go back to doing those quirky, cheesy things that you used to do. Do the things you did at first. If it's holding hands while you're watching a movie, husbands and wives, you're not married too long that you don't have to hold hands anymore. What about the children and their parents? When last did you tell your parents how much you appreciate what they mean to you and what they've done for you? Especially those of us that have grown up and, and have families of our own, how much more do we not understand the sacrifices that our parents made when they were bringing us up? When was the last time that you told your parents you appreciate them? Parents, when was the last time that you told your children how wonderful they were and just said to them, come on, let's just go for a walk or let's just do something together. Let's play cards together. When was the last time you did that? I'm saying tonight, do the things you did at first. Go back to those things that caused you to pursue that perhaps has faded. Some of you here tonight, or at home at least listening here, you might hear the scripture that I've just read in Revelations from a spiritual standpoint. Perhaps you are recognizing that you were once close to God, but, but now you're not. I'm saying go back to do the things you used to do. And I'm going to give you an opportunity to make right in just a moment. But I'd like to first take this opportunity to pray for marriages and pray for, for relationships within the family. Children with their parents, parents with their children, siblings amongst each other, and with friends and, and family, you know, family further than our household. I want to pray for, for those relationships right now. You can just bow your heads. I want to pray over you right now in the name of Jesus. Father,
I lift up every marriage before you this evening, every couple that are listening to this, Father. Even those that might have already, they might even be sitting or started sitting on different couches tonight, but now they find themselves together again. I bring them before you, Father, and I thank you that just like Jesus pursues us, that in the same way we pursue our spouses, in the same way we pursue our children, we pursue our parents and our friends. Just like Jesus, Lord, left the 99 to go and find the one, I pray that we would do the same for those in our lives. I thank you, Father, for restoring relationships. I thank you, Father, for reigniting fires and and reminding people about what used to work for them, reminding them about the things that they used to do in the good old days. Let those things be reignited and reintroduced into their relationships. I pray this in the name of Jesus. Father, I thank you that strong families are built of strong marriages. Strong communities are built of strong families. Strong nations are built off of strong communities. So I thank you, Lord, for moving in those relationships right now in the name of Jesus. And and Father, whichever husband is out there or wife is out there right now, and they're just taking this opportunity to reach out to you because they're already in separate houses. They're living in separate houses. I pray, Father, that you reconcile that marriage by the power of your Holy Spirit in the name of Jesus. Give them wisdom on how to go about reconciling. I pray that in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Praise God. Well, I believe that that the Lord has really spoken to you tonight. And I believe that fires have been reignited and, and sparks have begun to fly. And I just praise God that your family is something that you value and it's built on the Word of God. And so I just want to say, God bless you. And I'm going to ask you right now to just bow your heads once again, if you don't mind. I'd like to speak to those people who, who maybe were able to relate to that Scripture, as I said, where they need to go back to what they used to do. That could be their relationship with God. Or maybe you're sitting there at home tonight watching from wherever you may be and you don't have a relationship with God. You've never had the opportunity. I'd like to give you that opportunity right now. I want to say to you that God designed for you to be in a relationship with Him and He sent His Son to die so that that can be. So if you want to give your heart to the Lord right now, if you want to reconcile with the Lord, if you want to come back, perhaps you've backslidden, you want to come back into relationship with Him, then I'd love to lead you in a prayer right now. So I'm going to ask that you just raise your hand. I know I can't see your hand, but I believe that it's a real good way to just show God that you mean business here right now. Just raise your hand, Lord. I want to come into relationship with you. I want to give my life to you. I want to know you for eternity. I want to come back into relationship with you. I'm going to lead you in a prayer right now. I'm going to ask you just to think about the words that you're saying. Okay, it's a short prayer, but it's a powerful prayer. It's a life-changing prayer, and it's an eternity-securing prayer. So I want you to say this. Say, Dear Heavenly Father, I come to you tonight in Jesus' name. Thank you that you gave your son so that I can be forgiven. I recognize Jesus is the son of God, that he is risen from the dead. And I invite you into my life. I surrender my life to you. Thank you that you have forgiven me of all of my sin. And right now, as I sit here right now, I am 
a child of God. Thank you for joining us during this episode of Living Life with Dr. Theo and Bev Volmerans. We hope that through this inspired teaching, you had an encounter with God. If you enjoy the teaching ministry of Apostle Theo and Dr. Bev Volmerans and would like to enjoy more resources, we hope you will visit our website at www.christianfamilychurch.co.za or for our American listeners, www.christianfamilychurchsa.com. 